Hello, health investor. Welcome to another episode of the Health Investment Podcast. Today, you're going to hear from Marissa Lonick. Marissa is the founder of Mama Work It. She's a working mom of four kids, a native New Yorker, and a California resider. A self-proclaimed time momager, Marissa helps moms who are juggling mom life, work life, wife life, and fill-in-the-blank life via her books, courses, and coaching programs. Her time management and goal achievement strategies have helped the most overwhelmed mamas turn their dreams into reality, even when they thought they had no time to make any of it happen. In the episode, Marissa shares a mindset shift to adopt if you constantly find yourself saying, I don't have time, why being prepared is the key to success in so many areas of life, tips for multitasking more effectively, and more. But before we get to the episode, I want to take a minute to share one of my favorite resources with you, thrivemarket.com. I used to think that eating healthy meant I had to spend a lot of time and money at the grocery store until I discovered Thrive Market. Thrive is an online grocery shopping platform that's essentially a mix of Costco, Whole Foods, and Amazon. Since Thrive delivers groceries directly to your door, they're able to cut out all middle people and heavily discount their inventory. When I order on Thrive versus going to my local supermarket, I not only save time, but I also save at least $20 per order. To read my full Thrive Market review, steal my shopping list of over 150 items, and save additional money on your first order, visit thehealthinvestment.com slash thrivemarket, or just click through the link in the show notes. And one more thing. If you feel like you've been yo-yo dieting for years, but nothing you've tried has helped you keep the weight off long-term, I'm so happy you're hearing this right now. Outside of hosting this podcast, I help people lose weight for the last time without giving up carbs, counting every calorie, drinking gross meal replacement shakes, or other unsustainable extremes. Unlike diets, apps, and programs that only provide short-term results and suck the fun out of life, I help you develop effortless habits that work for your unique lifestyle so you can drop those pesky pounds for good, feel completely in control around food, and start showing up as the trimmest, healthiest, most confident, most energized version of yourself. You can learn more about my programs at thehealthinvestment.com. And please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. I always love hearing from you. All right, it's time to hear from Marissa. Enjoy. I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and your host of the Health Investment Podcast. If you're ready to look and feel your best, without any confusion, frustration, or stress, you're in the right place. Each week, I interview experts and share no-nonsense, research-backed tips so that you can finally lose weight for good, eat healthy long-term, have the high energy you crave, and feel like a million bucks. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Don't forget to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. 
Marissa. So great to have you here. I would love if you could start by sharing your story and specifically what led you to specialize in helping moms go to go from overwhelmed, as you say, to empowered. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and to chat about this. So I'm Marissa Lonick. As you said, I am a working mom of four kids. And how this all came to be is back in 2016, I was a corporate executive and I was offered a job promotion. So I'm a native New Yorker and the promotion would have meant to have moved cross country to California. So at the time, I was pretty scared to say yes. You know, I was really worried about how I'd be able to manage my time in a new role, in a new city, not knowing anyone. Like, could I dedicate enough of it to my kids, my husband, myself? I was already feeling kind of like I was struggling in my current role where I worked from home a lot. I had a support system nearby. And, you know, I I still felt kind of overwhelmed by a lot of things going on. I had, you know, become a mom not not um, long before. And, you know, I was like feeling stressed and anxious. Like, was I performing well enough at work? Was I being the best possible mom and wife at home? And on top of all that, I was feeling kind of resentful that I wasn't doing anything for myself. So I'd go through these cycles where I'd be on like the verge of meltdown status. And then I'd like go get a mani-pedi and feel better for five minutes. And then it would just like start all over again. So you can imagine being offered like a new opportunity in a new city. I was already anticipating the stress and the stretch that I would feel, but I was an ambitious woman as I still am and I couldn't say no. Like internally, it felt really wrong to turn something down that could really propel me and my family further financially, professionally as a woman, personally as an individual. So we did. We moved cross country. As, as uh, you've already mentioned, now I live on the West Coast. And you know, what I noticed is it didn't necessarily get harder. It just got different. And with that challenge, I was really able to navigate and come up with practical tricks and hacks to make it all work while doing a lot of mindset and inner work to feel really good and in control about how I was spending my time and managing my schedule. So At that point, I started writing a blog where I'd share my experience as a working mom, juggling mom life and work life and wife life and fill in the blank life. And I wrote this as really just a creative outlet for myself, almost like a therapy. And I told nobody about it. Like I wrote this (laughs) blog. I wrote this blog as if I was writing to thousands of women and nobody read it because I didn't tell anyone. And then I had my third son. And of course, things changed again. And during that time, I was going back to my corporate role after maternity leave. And again, I had to level up. I had to level up how I was managing my time because now I had another baby at home. I had three kids under four at the time. And I did. And I figured it out again. And it was at that time I decided to take that blog and to really turn it into something more. I'd always get the question, how do you have time for that? Or how do you find the time to do X, Y, Z? And I thought, you know, I can really help other moms with this. I can really support this community in a lot of ways. So the first thing I did was I told people that this blog actually existed. And then I, you know, created a course, I wrote and published my first book, and it just really kind of grew from there. Mm. This is inspiring for me to hear because I don't have kids yet. But hearing stories, I don't want to say horror stories, but just from ambitious women who 
really struggle, you know, or just seeing people be really honest and vulnerable and posting about it, it makes me feel very trepidatious of, I have this idea maybe of, oh, you have kids and then life stops or your business has to stop, or you just become this completely overwhelmed, stressed out person. But it sounds like I'm sure being a mom obviously comes with some amount of stress and overwhelm, but it doesn't have to be maybe at the level that some people think it does. Is that correct? Well, and you know what I like to say with regards to this, you know, overwhelm is a choice. Mm. It's a choice you make. You can feel overwhelmed whether you're 25 and single and, you know, doing your dream job and living alone. Maybe you have a dog. Maybe you don't. You can feel overwhelmed in that situation or you could feel overwhelmed as a mom of three, you know, working outside the home, trying to juggle all the things. It's, it's, it's like a, an equal opportunity employer. Like it doesn't discriminate. <laughs> anybody can feel this and anybody can choose not to feel this. Mm. Can you speak a bit more to that? How do you, is it something you just turn off or what are some steps you take towards not feeling as overwhelmed? Well, can I exemplify this with like a really silly visualization really quick? Yes. Okay. So I love visualization. <laughs> yes. All right. So let's pretend you're at the supermarket. You're pushing your shopping cart. You turn down the bread aisle. You go down. You look at all the bread options. OMG, there are a lot of choices, right? White bread, whole wheat bread, gluten-free bread, bagels, English muffins, corn tortillas, flour tortillas. We could go on all day long about all the bread options here. So you could feel overwhelmed by this, right? You could start to really spiral. You could start reading every label and getting into this like analysis paralysis that you can't even make a decision. You have no idea. You start sweating. Oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't know what bread to buy. Or you could turn down the, the bread aisle with your shopping cart like a boss. You could find the bread that you're looking for. In my case, Dave's Killer Bread, green kind. <laughs> Throw it in your cart and you could move on and not let overwhelm even like touch you in that situation. So I think really the gist of this is when you have clarity, when you know what you want, when you know how you want to spend your time, when you know how you want to live your life, you don't let that overwhelm get in the way of that. Mm. So to get somebody to that place, is it journaling? Is it doing, you know, some type of writing like you mentioned with a blog or how does the person figure out what they really want so that they can have the clarity and kind of the confidence? I think there's lots of ways to get there. I know in my own personal experience, I, whenever I was able to work with a coach, whenever I invested mm -hmm. in that experience, I was able to gain clarity much more quickly because I had this objective person asking me the right questions, holding me accountable for things, and really just helping helping propel me in the direction I maybe didn't even know I wanted to go at the time. So that I think is the like most direct route if you can work with a coach or work with someone in that sense. If that's not an option for you, you know, spend time with yourself. Get to know yourself journal, brainstorm, meditate, you know, do what feels good to you so that you're not constantly sort of on this on this hamster wheel of the day-to-day -day yeah. and you're not giving yourself any time to really just think and have that mm -hmm. white space. And then is the idea that once you figure out what you want, what your priorities are, how you want your life to look, that you just kind of slowly or maybe not slowly <laughs> eliminate all the noise? 
Yeah, it's easier to implement. It's easier to prioritize. Once you know what you want to do with your time, you can much more easily fit it in. You can make the time for that stuff and you can either eliminate or minimize the distractions. Mm-hmm. I sent you some questions in advance because I love kind of diving into prep for every guest and it's fun for me to come up with those. And I saw some article somewhere comparing organizing time to organizing space. Is there a way, have you thought about it that way? Can you make the idea of time tangible? I think so. Yeah. Um, Think about when you, like how you feel when your home is clean right? Mm. You feel calm. You feel at ease. You feel good. You feel less cluttered. Maybe you even feel like free even. You know where to find things. And to me, that's a good feeling. Like I like that feeling. So when your time is organized similarly, you feel the same way. You know what to expect. You're less likely to feel scattered with too much on your plate. You're able to be fully focused and present with the things that you're doing. And you're able to release some of that clutter, that mental load that you're carrying in your brain, like into a system so that your mind is clear and you feel less stressed. So Mm. I absolutely think these two things correlate. Yeah. I interviewed actually another guest about time management, not specifically for moms, but just kind of in general. And he was talking about the two minute rule. Have you heard of that? I haven't. Tell me. I guess there's a couple two-minute rules he was saying, which is funny, but um, (laughs) he was saying it kind of goes along with what you were just saying of if there's something in front of you that takes two minutes. So he said, you know, I have this coffee mug on my desk that needs to be washed. So when he was going to finish our interview, he was going to just go immediately and rinse it and put it in the dishwasher. Whereas if you leave the coffee mug there, it's your brain recognizes and then starts to get all this mental clutter of like, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. So if you just do the two minute things immediately, or if you don't do them or something's going to take longer than two minutes, if you just write it down somewhere so that you're just alleviating your brain of this clutter, like you're saying in the same way that you declutter or clean your home it just gives you so much space and helps you, again, kind of prioritize your time or just not feel so out of control. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a great rule of thumb. And I th- yeah, yeah, I like the fact, I agree with the fact of getting it like out of your brain and on paper or getting it done's even better, right? Right, <laughs> right. <it> done. <laughs> Doing it or getting it out of your brain, right? Yeah. When it comes to organizing time, do you have any tips in terms of tools that you use or apps or do planners work better for some people and Google Calendar for other people or do you think there's kind of a best way for everyone? I don't think there's a one size fits all when it comes Mm. to this. I think that the most important thing you can do is to find a system and stick with it. And I think so many people do something because they hear everyone else is doing it or, you know, they read the reviews and this must be the one for me. And then it doesn't feel good. And then they think, well, I'm just bad at managing my time. I don't think that's true. I think you just haven't found the right system that feels good for you. That's working for all of the specific criteria that you need in your life. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think there's lots of systems out there, whether that be electronic calendars, apps, paper planners, you know, wall hanging calendars, dry erase whiteboards, those calendar ones. Like I think they could all work 
I just think it depends on your home and your life and schedule and what your needs are. Yeah, I love that. As you're talking about that, it's making me think exactly of when I work with clients on nutrition and weight loss, the same type of thing. It's like, oh, my friend did keto, therefore I had to do keto. Mm -hmm. And then when keto doesn't work, oh, I'm a failure and nothing works for me. And that's just not helpful thinking, right? It's just helpful to always think that didn't work, but there is something out there that will work for me. It's just a matter of figuring that out. Yeah, absolutely. I know there's a lot of terms and ideas thrown around when it comes to reducing overwhelm. And I have kind of a list of them here. And I was wondering if you would share your thoughts and tips on a few and maybe some of them you even disagree with. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it. So one is that just in general, people just say, stay organized. How do you feel about that advice? I think it's important, I will say. I think, you know, time management, like the crux of it is organization, you know, Mm. to an extent. Of course, there's flexibility and other things you need to consider, but you do need a system, any system. Like I said, it doesn't have to be the one I use or you use or he uses or she uses, but a system that's going to work for you to keep you organized is important. Mm -hmm. And then it's also as you're going back or I'm going back to the bread aisle. It's like if you have a list at the grocery store. Oh, yeah. It makes it much easier to kind of hit the aisle and reduce overwhelm. Same type of thing of if you're organized with lists or calendars, you hit the things that are important and kind of ignore the rest. Absolutely. It's much easier to spend more money, spend more time at the supermarket. If you don't have a plan in place, just like with your time, it's much easier to waste it on things that aren't really hitting your priorities and what you want to be doing. What if somebody adopts the idea of I'm just not an organized person as a personality trait? Do you think that people are born or raised organized or do you think it's a trait that we can build in ourselves? I think a little bit of both. I mean, I definitely feel like I've always been a bit more of like a planner per se, but I don't think that that's uh, a skill set that anybody like out there, like I think anybody can learn that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the more you tell yourself this, just like ever hear somebody say like, I'm just not a technical person, right? Mm-hmm. Like the more you tell yourself this, the more you believe it, the more it becomes your reality. So mm-hmm. you are, you're really self-sabotaging when you say things like that out loud. Yeah. I used to be a high school English teacher, and that's something the math teachers would often say, is that we grow up kind of just labeling ourselves as, oh, I'm bad at math. And then it makes it that much harder to learn math because you're Mm -hmm. constantly telling yourself, I'm bad at it before you even try. And there's so many different types of math, right? You might not be good at trigonometry, but maybe you're better at geometry. Um, So yeah, I agree. I think we have these kind of self-sabotaging mindsets or things we tell ourselves that aren't serving us. Absolutely. Yeah. Another piece of advice I see often is that we should be delegating. How do you feel about that? I'm a fan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a fan of delegating. I think for my audience, this is a challenge. Um, Moms, society's painted the picture that moms do it all, right? And I like to combat that with, you know, you can't be afraid to ask for help. It doesn't make you a failure. It doesn't mean you're not doing a good job. And the bottom line is like, even if you can do it all, even if you feel like you might be able to do that, you'll probably be miserable 
doing it all, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You can outsource almost anything these days. We are fortunate enough to live in a place where there's basically an app for everything, right? Or there's a system or like a service out there we can utilize. So I am a big fan of delegation. I would absolutely say that if something is something you dislike, strongly dislike doing, or it just, gosh, it makes you feel like every time you think you have to get it done, you're like, it's just, you procrastinate because you don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. That might be something that you might want to look into delegating. Yeah. Just play on your strengths and let other people do those things that are probably their strength. Exactly. Yeah. I also think that, and I've heard this from friends who have kids, just in the United States, especially, it's this idea that you should be super mom and you should do everything by yourself. And really, hundreds of years ago, people used to raise kids in villages and have so much support. And that was something that was a great thing. And now, like you said, it's like you should do it all and you shouldn't reach out for help. And it's kind of sad that our cultures evolved that way to make moms or dads, you know, any parent feel like you should be the one doing everything. Yeah, it is really sad. And, you know, so much has changed since that, since that element was like more truthful in, Mm. um, in mom life and parenting, right? Like a lot of moms now, they're, they're not staying at home with their kids. That's not their full-time job. So they're juggling careers on top of that or their own ambitions or other things. And even if it is your full-time job, it's the hardest job out there, right? Like it is really, really challenging. So absolutely do not be afraid to delegate and ask for help. Uh, In one of my programs, I give a actual like formula of how to do this, like a little bit of a system because I think I think it's just like getting on a roller coaster sometimes. It's like the anxiety of actually asking for the support is what scares you more Mm. than getting it, than getting it. As you were talking, it was making me think I have friends who do have jobs and then they become moms and they plan to go back to their jobs. And then they say when they're the mom in that mom role, it's harder than the work they do at their job. And then you think at your job, you have a huge team supporting you, you know? So as you said, this is the hardest job. And then you should maybe think of it as you do your job, building a team around you to support you. That's a great analogy. Absolutely. What about the idea of multitasking? I hear some people say that's a good thing and some people say that's not helpful. Yeah, I love this question. I'm so glad you asked it. So a lot of experts that I follow personally, you know, they say not to multitask. I'm sure you've heard this before, mm-hmm. Brooke. So, you know, they say, hey, multitasking takes your time, your focus away from the task at hand. You end up making more mistakes when you multitask. You feel overwhelmed when you do this, when you're trying to juggle too many things. And I am here for it. Like, I get it. I understand. Uh, These people are very successful, so they must be doing something right. And I trust that that's true to a degree. I also am a mom of four kids, eight and under, and I keep it real. So Mm. I got to get things done. If I don't multitask sometimes, like, my house might fall apart. And, um, So I got to keep it real. I got to be real with it. So my mantra when it comes to multitasking is this. You multitask the mindless. You solo task the mindful. Hmm. 
What does that mean? So you multitask things you can do on autopilot, things that do not require like your full brain power, mindless things. Things that come to mind for me when I think of this are like a lot of household tasks. So maybe like folding laundry or, you know, doing dishes or like prepping lunches or snacks for my kids or things like that. Um, Maybe it's meal prepping for the week. Like, you know, you can chop vegetables and your mind could be someplace else. I mean, hopefully you're good with a knife and you're not going to get hurt. (laughs) But, you know, like this is what I'm saying. So I like to tell my clients, I like to personally multitask these things with things that are bringing me like maybe even a little bit more joy. I don't personally love folding laundry, but I still got to fold clothes. So what do I do? Maybe I listen to a podcast during that time. Maybe I catch up with a friend on the phone during that time. It can be hard to like cultivate relationships sometimes when you're really busy, but you can pair that with something that, you know, you can kind of do on autopilot. And then solo task the mindful, solo task things that are actually important to you that require your brain power. Maybe that's Mm -hmm. eating dinner with your family. You know, maybe that's actually getting down on the ground and playing with your kids if you're a parent. Um, A work project that requires your full time and attention. This is why, this is why during the pandemic, so many working parents were ready to like lose it every day mm. because they were basically forced to multitask their jobs, very important to them, with their kids, also yeah. very important to them. And that was a disaster. So that is my mantra when it comes to multitasking. I love that. That's so, I say that to clients all the time too, of how can you make things you, you know, that don't require a lot of your attention, like you said, meal prepping, more fun and enjoyable. And I say those exact things, you know, put on a reality TV show in the kitchen or a podcast or call a friend. I think that's just such great advice. And we should be trying to make those things more fun, right? Because why why be miserable when you're meal prepping if you could be not miserable? (laughs) Yeah. And you'll probably get it done a lot more quickly, honestly, because like you're not even you're not like dreading it in the moment. Right. And you'll be inspired to keep doing it yeah. rather than, well, that sucked. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. How important is it for moms or parents to learn to say no to things? Extremely important. <laughs> so I once had a guest on my show and she said something that stuck with me and it is no is a complete sentence. You don't have to have a reason or an explanation or any sort of long like diatribe when you turn something down, right? Mm -hmm. If it's not serving you, your values, your goals, your priorities, it's totally okay to say no. You don't have to say yes to everything. And I know that's really, really hard for some people, but the more you practice it, the easier it becomes. I love that. I've never heard that. No is a complete sentence. Yeah. It's like- we could probably all benefit from putting that on a post-it. Right. You could <laughs> Keeping say, it right there. <laughs> you could say no thank you if that feels a little okay, abrupt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just ready to say no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and then what about being prepared? What advice do you have around that? Um, well, lots. <laughs> so uh, another quote or something inspiring that a friend of mine shared once that I, I love to repeat is, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Hmm. So planning ahead, I think, is really crucial in time management. Um, 
in my house, it's often if it's not planned ahead, like it's just, it won't get done, right? Mm -hmm. Because just life gets in the way and it just doesn't feel as important and valuable unless you've really prioritized it. So I would definitely urge you to plan ahead for things and be prepared, you know, when there are things that are important to you that you want, you want to ensure that you've been able to check off your list for the day. In the same sense, I would love to talk a little bit about flexibility here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's important to plan ahead. It's important to be organized. It's equally as important to be flexible because what happens? Life happens. Anything and everything can go wrong on any given day, right? Whether you're a parent or you're not a parent, like this is just life. And things are going to go off track off your plan, off the way that you wanted them to happen. And you can't fall apart every time that happens because Mm -hmm. otherwise things are not going to get done either way. So you absolutely need to know how to be flexible while you're a strategic and organized planner. Yeah. How about, I think the term self-care is thrown around a lot and it's become kind of trite and Mm -hmm. cheesy even, or, you know, you mentioned getting the mani-pedi, but then that only maybe makes you happy for five minutes or, you know, maybe for some people longer, but I don't know. I see this term self-care with equated with bubble baths or long periods of meditation, maybe things that don't feel accessible to every person or every mom. So what do you advise moms in terms of taking care of yourself and finding time for yourself when you are just so busy? Yeah, I agree with you. I feel like that self-care term, like every time I ask people what it means to them, their first responses are always like a day at the spa or like, (laughs) right? Like something that feels so out of reach um, for your regular life that it's kind of like laughable. Right. And And then maybe it never happens. Exactly. Because it's like, oh, I'll save up the money and wait till I have time to go to the spa. But then maybe that's three months from now. Right. And it and self-care shouldn't happen like once a quarter, right? right? So yeah. So for me, what I like to say is what what makes you feel whole again? Mm-hmm. What makes you feel whole again? A day at the spa, yeah, that would make me feel whole. But you know what else would make me feel whole? Taking a 20-minute walk in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it would make me feel whole to um, do a five-minute breath work session. It would make me feel whole to organize my closet and declutter. Like it could be a number of different things. So Mm -hmm. I encourage people to just like jot down a bunch of, like do a brain dump, a brainstorm of all the things that once they do them, like they afterwards, immediately afterwards, they feel good. Mm -hmm. And this this is going to feel and look different to you at different times of day, on different days of the week. Like not every day is my self-care like sitting in front of my TV and binging a Netflix show, but some Mm -hmm. days it is. Right. (laughs) Other days, my self-care is like doing a three-mile run, you know? So Mm -hmm. it just really depends on what you need in that moment. And it can be very small. It can be much more, you know, lavish and glamorous. It's really going to depend. But I think it's essential to be doing this regularly as like a routine or a habit every single day. I like to tell people to do something nice for themselves every single day because you can't wait till you're depleted. You can't wait until you're on the verge of that mental breakdown, go get your nails done. And then once your gel manicure starts growing out, feel like crap again, you know? So you have to be exercising this proactively. 
And I think this really translates into your ability to not only feel good internally, but to be the best version of yourself externally. So, Mm. you know, a lot of people feel selfish for practicing self-care, right? They feel like they're taking time and energy and effort away from their work or their spouse or their kids or gosh, any other thing on their list. But the thing is, you got to start looking at it from the perspective of, no, actually, when I feel good, I'm a better mom. I'm a better spouse. I'm a better employee. I'm a better fill in the blank because I'm a, like, I'm exuding that energy outwards. Mm. And I love how you reframe it in terms of self-care is something that makes you feel whole again. So maybe it's even looking at it as if you don't do these things, then you're not going to be your whole self. You're going to be just a fraction of a person. So it's so important to do these things so that you are your whole self and then you can show up as your whole self for your kids. You know, like any type of reframe that works. Yes. Yeah, I love that. What do you say would be the biggest mistake people make when trying to organize their time? Saying you don't have time. (laughs) So um, this is kind of like what we were chatting about before, right? When you start to say something over and over again, I'm not tech savvy, I'm not good at math, whatever it is, you believe it. And then your actions show that. And then you never give it a try because you don't want to fail at it or anything, right? So if you are in these shoes and you find yourself constantly saying, oh, I don't have time for that, or I'm too busy, or you know, that's, that's exactly what's going to happen. You're not going to have time for it. You're never going to make the time for it. You are not going to be able to dedicate and prioritize something important to you because you're automatically stopping it right there. You're believing it and your actions are following that. That's with anything, right? The minute you believe it, you can do it. Mm. So I encourage people who are saying this on repeat, which by the way, if this was me years ago, like I'm not different from you. Um, I encourage people to replace it with a different phrase. And then one of two things will happen. So stop saying you don't have time, number one. Number two, start replacing it with, it's not a priority to me. Mm. And now what happens from here? You either feel one of two things. The first thing you could feel is, well, you know what? It's not a priority to me and I'm okay with that. So maybe this is... um, Maybe this is exercise right now. Maybe you just had a baby and you sleep in, you know, one and a half hour increments all night and you're just exhausted and the only free time you get during the day, you just need to get some sleep. So for this season of your life, maybe it's not a priority to you and you know what, now you're owning that and you're okay with it. Mm. And um, and you you just feel like immediately you feel less guilty about it because you feel more in control of that choice. Yeah. Now, the other way is that you're going to feel really crappy about saying that out loud. Like you're going to say, it's not a priority to me to exercise and you're going to get a really visceral bad reaction. So you're going to be like, okay, well, what do I need to do to make this a priority for me? So you're immediately going to figure something out. I'd imagine you're going to look at your calendar and you're going to figure something out of what you need to move to make it happen? Do you need to wake up earlier? Do you need to go to bed later? Do you need to use your lunch break for this? Do you need to cancel, you know, that social outing and go to the gym instead? Because that's important to you. It actually is a priority and now you're going to make it one. Mm. Yeah. I've heard that in so many ways and I have never heard it phrased exactly like that. But I think 
like you said, anything we can do, any of these kind of reframes to just feel more empowered and there's different seasons of life and at different times things will be priorities and at other times they won't. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I think we get so caught up in thinking that we have to do the things we did in our 20s, in our 30s, and maybe those things aren't kind of working for us anymore. And it's okay to evolve and change over time. Yes, absolutely. I think we're always on that journey, no matter what. Right. Yeah. And then just having giving yourself the grace to let things go or change your type of exercise or eat differently than you used to, you know, it's it's not a bad thing. You're not bad or wrong for not sticking to those same habits you once had. Yeah, absolutely. If someone's listening to this and just really resonating with everything you're saying and just thinking, I am the most overwhelmed. I am so stressed. I'm on the verge of burnout. What are some of the easiest first steps you recommend to people that they can take just right after this episode, a couple things they could do? Yeah. The first thing I'll say is if you are one of those people that says, I don't have time a lot, start that reframe. Start replacing it with it's not a priority to me and see see how that makes you feel. With certain things, I think you're going to feel immediately less filled with guilt and less filled with overwhelm and and whatever that is. You're going to feel better about that decision. And with others, you might not. And that's okay. You know, sometimes you need to sit in that discomfort to be able to make that change. The other thing I would say is look at what you're multitasking. You're probably multitasking things you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You're probably multitasking too much. So take a look at what you're multitasking and figure out the things that uh, – are important to you, like stop doing that, right? Figure out how to prioritize them so that they're not overlapping on each other throughout the day. And the other thing I'd say is take inventory of how you're spending your time. So I I do something with my clients called time management deep dives. And what we do is they take my proprietary self-assessment called the three-day test. For three days, they get really honest with how they're spending their time day in and day out. And they document this, they talk about what they're multitasking, what they're not, just in 30-minute increments all day long, like what they're up to. And then we sit down and we review the results together and we strategize ways that they can get back one, two, I've even gotten people back like three hours back into their day. So you'd be surprised if you complete this assessment with full honesty and then you talk to me or talk to someone, you know, objective in this area, how much time you might be wasting on things that really aren't important to you, Uh, how some quick and easy steps can make you take back ownership of your time and your schedule and how simple it can be to get more time back for yourself. Yeah, that's, yeah, I love that. I've thought sometimes I need to do that myself, (laughs) even though I'm not a mom, (laughs) do a little inventory of, you know, how can I be more effective throughout my day and then have more time for the stuff that I truly enjoy doing. Yeah. On the part of multitasking, just a follow-up question. So you said don't multitask the things, the mindful activities. So would that be like, let's say you've decided you're going to play with your kids for a couple hours when they get home, and then maybe you're multitasking because you're looking at maybe email and answering emails or checking social media, and then you leave that time and you feel guilty because you didn't really give your kids the full attention. And so it's just this constant cycle of sort of never feeling like you're showing up fully. Is that kind of 
that idea? I think that's a great example. Okay. I think a two-hour slot of sitting on the floor playing with kids can be a challenge. Oh, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I wouldn't put that immense pressure on yourself if you're a mom listening. Um, If you have, you know, a day where you can make that such a big part of the day and a priority, I think that's great. I don't think that's reality for a lot of parents, unfortunately. But, you know, I think even setting a timer for like, 20, 30 minutes uninterrupted of time with your kids, you will immediately be able to go back to your work with a fresh perspective, with um, without the guilt, without the ability to feel like you have to juggle these things at the same exact time. And I think that compartmentalizing that is much, is much more effective. Yeah. Kind of the idea of instead of doing everything, do a few things really well. And then the quality kind of outweighs the quantity. Exactly. Exactly. That's that's great advice. Yeah. Clearly, I don't have kids, right? I'm like, yeah, spend two hours on the floor with your kid. (laughs) Some people think that. I think that's great. For my life, that's a little bit unrealistic right now. Well, I can see that for (laughs) sure. I think I'm thinking back to when I was a nanny, you know, it was just lots of hours on the floor with kids. So, (laughs) yeah. And I mean, when it's your job, right? Totally. That makes sense. Totally. That was my job. No, that, that's a good point to bring up, though. Well, I'm so grateful for all of the information you've shared with my audience today. And the final question I ask each of my guests is, in your opinion, what does it mean to make the health investment? Oh, yes. I would say prioritize yourself. Mm. Make time for you. Your health is about how you feel. So it doesn't have to mean, in my opinion, it doesn't have to mean you're a size six. It doesn't have to mean you're vegan. It doesn't have to mean you work out five times a day. Like I think health is a whole body thing. Mm-hmm. So feeling good is the crux of everything to me when it comes to time management. I like to say when you feel good, you do good. You're more productive. You're more motivated. So if you're ensuring you're taking really good care of your mind, your body, your soul every single day then you're living like your healthiest life. You know, you're feeling good. You're able to do good. You're able to be the best version of yourself. Yeah. Great answer. Where can listeners follow and find you? I know you've mentioned some resources, but I will link all of these things up in the show notes. Yes. Thank you. So the best place to find me is my website and that is mamaworkit.com, M-A-M-A. Uh, I do a free newsletter every week. You can sign up and get access to a free training that I have available right now, which is the three biggest mistakes moms make when it comes to time management. Hmm. And um, I'm also on social media, of course. I'm on Facebook and Instagram mainly at the handle Let Mama Work It, M-A-M-A again. Yeah. And I would love to connect with you. And if any of this really resonated with you and you want to connect one-on-one, I do offer free 45-minute breakthrough calls. So you can sign up for one of those right on my website. Awesome. Well, again, so grateful for everything you shared with my audience today, Marissa. And I know that a lot of people are going to get a lot of great tips and insight from this episode. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our chat. Well, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining me here on the Health Investment Podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of my listeners. On your way out, remember to hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. 
None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.